0: You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal secure servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Thanks so much for being part of the Beyond the Game program this morning. We're glad to have you along. Our next guest is more than likely nobody you've ever heard of. And I only know of him because he's a friend of a friend of mine and my friend connected us together. Uh, When I first talked to this man, I just got a sense of his passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, the passion he had for seeing the hearts of men impacted for the gospel. I knew after that conversation I wanted our listeners to get it just a little insight to that passion, get to know him, get to hear some of that. He's an offensive line coach. We all know how anonymous those guys are anyway, but he's part of a high school team in California, which has won multiple state titles. Rick Wilson joins us now in the BTG studio line. Rick, thanks so much for calling in.
1: What, what a pleasure uh, it is, and thank you very much for having me.
0: How many state titles is it now for Truckee?
1: There are 12 titles and three runner-ups for state titles. Uh, there were 17 league championships in a row, and we ran a 41-game win streak from '09 9 to 12, so yeah, not bad for a 3A school, I guess, small one. Wow.
0: Here's Here's what I've noticed about offensive line in football. Nobody cares. Nobody cares unless you're really good or unless you're really bad. If you're really good, then they they notice because nobody's getting to the quarterback. And of course, if they're bad, it seems like everybody does. And I'm asking you this question because I'm a fan of the New York Giants. And their line play has been the latter. They, they've played very poorly in the early part of the NFL season. You're an offensive line coach. How would you go about fixing that? And, and are you able to game plan to overcome a weak line so the offense can have a chance to move the ball?
1: You know, I, I thought about that as you were, you were asking it. And, um, to be frank with you, um, you really have to be pretty objective as an online coach. You have to be willing to look at the things that nobody else is looking for, especially if you start to see uh, some of the guys that um, have worked their tails off and and um, have overcome those other twos and threes, and they're getting all the reps, and all of a sudden, you know what? They they have a sense of relaxing them, and then next thing you know, they're starting to ease off in responsibilities. Um, I think you have to identify what's wrong, right? And you have to be very honest with your estimation of what guys are doing. I think what you're seeing at least from a high school level is there's many programs out there Rick that are that are implementing and trying to do things that other schools are doing rather than focusing on their own strengths. Uh, let's take for example uh, a zone concept offense. You have to have some pretty fast backs and then to read those cutbacks and the scheme of that zone blocking is pretty simple but but it takes pretty big guys to do it. So if you're a school that doesn't um, have those types of players then you better be willing to adjust and change early the scheme you have to adjust you have to have kids that are willing to adjust high school it's easy uh, college gets a little bit more um, business-like and then unfortunately in the pros it becomes straight business and those guys uh, are required to come to camp in shape be a professional open their toolbox use their tools And I'm just not so sure that's what we're seeing in today's world. I think a lot of those guys after contract are just uh, taking reps off.
0: Mm. There's a lot of attention on head injuries, of course, and at the high school level, parents are involved in the decision-making of whether a young man plays or or doesn't play. What do you say to a parent? What do you say to a player who may be on the fence about participating because they're concerned about injuries?
1: I think the issue with head injuries is um, just recently I was speaking with some older guys and we were kind of laughing it off. How many times did those older guys um, get rung up? <laughs> How many times were you swinging on that uh, fence or something you fell off and hit the backside of your head? How many times did a on-deck circle and a bat hit you in the forehead? I mean, skateboards, all these things. And we basically in that era were told to shake it off and you did and you went and played. So I'm not trying to minimize the reality of head issues but I'm trying to maximize the attention that we need to pay attention to. And I think fear is a marketable thing, Rick. And I think, unfortunately, uh, a lot of marketers are using fear, uh, against the consumer. And what has it done? It's made struggling programs across the country have to buy better equipment, uh, upgrade to these helmets. Um, and then, of course, we're in a dilemma in our country. We're in a divorced, Society, we have single moms raising kids and they're, they're fearful. So we have to do a better job informing them. We have to do a better job educating them. We have to, to have them instill in us and us and them a trust that we have the best intentions for their kid. And I think that um, we're very fortunate where we are. Uh, we've set up some protocol testing so that a young person, when they choose the sport that they're going to participate in, they take a straight line test and then through the course of that duration of that sport that year, if something were to happen, they are uh, taken back and taken the test again. And so when it becomes more quantitative than it becomes subjective. And I think, um, you know, parents are starting to at least listen. We don't, we don't have a lot of issues because we live in a mountain town and these same kids that are playing football are downhill ski racers that are going hundred miles an hour. So. If they have a problem with football, then why don't they have a problem with 100 miles an hour on skis?
0: Makes sense. So it's kind
1: of an open debate. But, um, yeah, I think the the way to to deal with it is just to encourage them and show them that uh, in X amount of years of coaching, I had one severe concussion other than that, uh, not so much.
0: We're talking with Rick Wilson here on the Beyond the Game program. Rick's part of a coaching staff at Truckee High School in California, winning a multiple state title football program. Obviously, protesting during the national anthem, it's a hotly contested issue. People have been talking about it all week and for months, really. I would imagine that it's been discussed by players and maybe even considered at your school. How has the staff addressed that with your team?
1: You know, um, specifically the issue of the flag, um, hasn't been an issue for us because I think the purpose of our program, and that's what it becomes a program, its emphasis is on faith and family, and football. And when you're emphasizing things, uh, a part of the game that's going to teach you life skills, uh, kids follow their coaches, right? Most coaches tend to gravitate to being a player's coach rather than coaching players. And the difference is if you're going to joke and have fun and be that guy's friend and not willing to set standards, then it's going to create some chaos. But if you're willing to coach a player, and instill in him uh, responsibilities and conduct. And, you know, our football game is a privilege to play. It's not a it's not a mandated thing that you have to do it. So as a privilege, then you need to treat it as such, because privileges can be lost very easily. So the classroom, the grades, you know, making young men, using the metaphor of football for life's challenges is, is where I think coaches need to take a step back and reflect. The issue of the uh, flag and things of that nature and the allegiance to our country um, is a precious thing to me, a veteran family. uh, So people with passions for the vets have an inclination to be more passionate toward what it stands for. But across the board, our young men are just listening to bad information, I think, and we coaches have to do a better job of what we instill in these guys.
0: Okay, I feel like I've hit you with a couple of tough issues with, you know, head injuries, the anthem, these sorts of things. So let me ask you something a bit lighter. Heading into the yep. season, there was a lot of talk about the Oakland Raiders going deep into the playoffs and maybe even reaching the Super Bowl. But after being handled, I mean, really handled, it seemed like, by the Washington Redskins the other night, considering yeah. how the Kansas City Chiefs are looking, are are the Raiders a legitimate title contender in your opinion? <laughs> I don't know if I'm
1: qualified, but... I think it's too early to speculate. There is so much parity in the NFL from my standpoint. I think any team can beat another team on any given day. But in order to be the best, you have to play against the best and be the best and beat them. And I think KC is playing great ball right now, and I don't think uh, Oakland could live on the, on uh, their laurels of last year. There seemed to be a lot more issues with Oakland as I watched. Uh, and even though I'm not really a fan of the Oakland Raiders, I I like to watch the games and I'm looking at those little things as O-line coaches do. And there just seemed to be a lot of plays that were taken off. I don't know if it had to do with the issue of protest as we alluded to earlier. Uh, but there's some disharmony going on in that clubhouse and I, I think it's playing out. So I think the teams that stay focused the longest will do well. Um, I just, uh, again, I don't, I don't see them. I don't see them doing very well this year. You know, if they're a 500 club, that'll be good.
0: Let's focus on ministry for a few moments, because God has given you a special heart for men. It's apparent, and we all know that every soul is precious to the Lord, of course. But in your words, why is it so important to reach men with the gospel specifically?
1: You know, I, I came across a statistic not long ago, and um, it kind of broke my heart. And it was that 80% of our Christian kids that leave and go to college don't come out of college Christians mm. they walk away from their faith and I I, I have my own uh, you know answers but I, I'm thinking in my heart hey where where's the dad where's the spiritual leader of his home hopefully he said no when he should have and 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 why didn't he discipline a little bit more and why didn't he give those hugs and love more and and why aren't we preparing our kids for for life the life of persecution and and are we teaching our kids that, you know, life is about competition, in essence, in a lot of ways in the business world? So, as I began to think about this, we, we got to a place as a church as a whole, and I've been involved with the church almost 40 years now. I was raised outside the church, so as I look at her, and I look at it as an organism rather than an organization, um, dads, um, young men, men, older men... Um, I have lost a perspective, I think, if I could say it blatantly. We have, we have, we've leaned on others to go disciple. We've leaned on others to go do the work that God has empowered each one of us men to do. Uh, I'm in passion for men to gain a knowledge of who they are in Christ. Because once a man knows who he is in Christ, uh, he's empowered. He's empowered in his finances and his life and his relationships. There's more no purpose. There's more no power in it. And I just think that that's one of my uh, purposes, is to equip men to go back out and armor up and, and go out there and find those prodigal brothers that are lost.
0: You've been involved in many ministries over the years, including prison ministries, even serving on the mission field. Where does God have you currently?
1: Great question. Um, I just finished up doing some things with some gangs. I was a gang chaplain, and I've, as you alluded to, I, I've had opportunity to get into some of the prisons out here on radio and broadcast some, uh, some messages to those guys. And, and the responses were awesome. Currently, Rick, I, I believe the Lord is, is pressing a call on my heart to be open to go and to minister into these, uh, different, uh, programs with kids and churches and, and, uh, parachurch organizations across our country. To remind them of Revelation chapter three that we are in that church of the last days in the church of Laodicea, um, I'm encouraged to go speak to those who have addictions and and I find Ezekiel thirty seven is reflective of a valley of dry bones and it it seems to me uh, that we are a country walking dead. We we've lost sight of the power of what uh, Christ can do in an individual's life, and uh, the more we confront it. The more that, uh, the world opposes us, uh, the more I'm empowered and passioned to, to go and, and, spread this gospel and, and, uh, uh, to teach people how to mentor, to, to get men, those beautiful blue collar guys that sit in everybody's churches that are so talented, but yet they don't see themselves as being used of God. And, and so that's my passion to get those guys out of the seats and, uh, let their hearts bleed once again for Christ.
0: I know at times it seems that, God has a sense of humor, especially towards any plans we may try to make. But if you were writing the script, and certainly you're in prayer asking God to lead and direct you, what do you see yourself doing in 10 years in terms of ministry?
1: You know, I just finished reading. um, I'm an avid, voracious reader. Live the Bible, but read books, as it were. And I just finished uh, Andrew Murray's book on um, the School of Obedience. I could summarize Christianity in two words, time and obedience. Time belongs to God. He, he rings our phone. He, he knocks on our heart. He commissions us to go. But we always have that free will choice to respond. And in 10 years, I hope that, um, the old Rick has died more and that this, this, uh, a new creation that, that God placed in me through the power of Jesus Christ, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in me, uh, is walking a more obedient life that that would be the best script i could I could write that i I finished well that souls were one for Christ as a result of discipleship
0: you mentioned earlier that you were raised outside the church how old were you, Rick when you first came to know Jesus as your savior and and can you tell us how that came about yeah a
1: little bit um probably the same stories as a lot of people have i mean was raised in a godless home by an alcoholic that was very severe and, and mentally abusive and physically abusive and and uh, horrible towards my mother. My gracious little mom taught me that little simple prayer of, Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Geez, I never knew it was so <laughs> so deep and heady, but at the time, as a young child, that's what I had. And so my knowledge of God was through my mom's simple little prayer, and we happened to go to a church one time, and my little heart responded to a gospel call, and I surrendered my heart to Jesus, but unfortunately, Rick, um, nobody watered those seeds. Nobody uh, allowed that little guy to flourish, and so I went the other way. Um, I did a lot of shameful things as a young guy, and I wound up incarcerated for a time, and broken, and self-hatred, and just ashamed of what I had become, and God intervened in my life, to be frank with you, and I told him, if you could love a person like me, then I'll be willing to love others that are like me. God changed my heart along the way, and it's been a great testimony of transformation of how the Holy Spirit takes a broken life and makes it whole.
0: How can we pray for you specifically?
1: Um, I would just ask and and covet those who may be listening and yourselves and others around me that um, that I would I would be willing again just to respond to what God has for me and pass through the open doors that he opens uh, we're going to try and get together and do some um, YouTube ministry and I'm this year trying to get all those things lined up but I'm such a dinosaur I, I struggle a lot in that area, those areas But um, just yeah I covet the prayers that, that God would open the right doors for me and that I'd be willing to walk through them as he opens them That'd be
0: great. Well, we'll certainly do that. Rick, I want to thank you for coming on the program and sharing a little bit of your passion for us and sharing how you came to know Christ as your Savior. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, and I hope your day is blessed. Thanks, my friend. Take care. That was Rick Wilson joining us on the BTG Studio line, high school football coach, friend of an old friend of mine, now my friend as well. He's been part of several state championship title teams. What did he say, 12? Oh, my goodness. And and, and a number more runner-up. Most importantly, he's a man who loves Jesus. We'll be back with more sports talk. Without the trash talk, you're listening to the Beyond the Game program.